0: First Kings seventeen and eight, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her, and said, Fetch me, I pray thee a little water in a vessel. That I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in. And dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son." For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did. Verse 13 said, go and do. And the Bible said in verse 15, and she went and did. According to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Verse 15 said, And she and he and her house did eat many days preach for a while this morning on the subject, the third side of the story, the third side of the story. God, I pray for your anointing on me to preach on this great congregation of people. Anoint our ears to hear, confirm your word with signs following, accomplish your purpose and plan in this service. God, by the authority of your word and by the power of the name of Jesus, I pray that your anointing would be released in this place to destroy yokes. God, have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. It is said that every story has two sides. However, the common modern idiom says there are three sides to every story. How many have ever heard that? Whenever you listen to somebody who is upset at someone else, just remember that there's his side, her side, and the truth. Three sides to every story. This story also has three sides. It has his side, her side, and God's side. This famous miracle is the convergence of two stories, two strangers Who meet in one supernatural moment. On one side, you have a hungry prophet. He has been greatly used by God, but now finds himself at a transition moment in his life and ministry. His story is one of powerful high points and terrible, difficult low moments. His past has a powerful demonstration of the Spirit of the Lord. He has called down fire from heaven. He's overcome 400 prophets of a demon idol named Baal. He has also stood against 450 prophets of the groves, places in the woods, in the forest that they had set up idols for worship in the process of calling down fire from heaven and overcoming 850 false prophets. He also brought down a rogue regime overseen by Ahab, the king, and his wicked Phoenician wife, Jezebel, bringing them to their knees. But the thrill of his victory over Ahab and Jezebel The memory of fire from heaven is now fading, and he finds himself in a low place. He is in a famine. God has taken him to a brook to drink water by the brook and to be fed by ravens. I've seen artists rendering of this miraculous time that God sent ravens to feed Elijah and the painting makes it look so nice. Have you ever seen a raven? It's not exactly what I would think would be the most appetizing meal. as something that a uh, carry-on eater, a scavenger, would drop at your feet. But I guess it's better than nothing. But now his brook has dried up. The ravens have quit showing up. He's hungry and thirsty and needs God to do something for him. In this sermon, from the point of view I'm going to be preaching from, Elijah represents the church, God's people, some who have had great, powerful experiences in him, but perhaps have found themselves in a dry place, in a weary place where you've seen God do great things, have experienced fire falling from heaven, walked in his power and demonstration, but perhaps now you find yourself in a dry, thirsty, hungry place. You feel like you're at a dried-up brook. That is his story, Her story is one of sadness and difficulty as well. She lives 90 miles away from where where Elijah is at the brook Cherith. She's in a city in Phoenician territory named Zarephath. She is a widow. She's buried her husband. In that day and time, that was a disaster. For now, she is left alone, destitute to care for her and their young son. The famine has ravaged the region, has made her existence meager at best. As the days have gone by, she realizes that her and her son are in desperate, desperate trouble. Her pot of meal has dwindled. Because of the famine, there's no grain to glean. There's no grain to grind into meal. And now also her reserve of oil has come down to the final few drops. The fields have been picked clean. She realizes that her and her son are down to their last meal. A handful of meal and a few drops of oil. This is the end. She's formulated a plan. I'm going to fix this last meal. I'm going to light a fire with two sticks. And then we're going to eat it and we are going to die. Hope is gone. There's no future for me and my family. There's no future for my life. This is it. This is the end of the line. This is all that I can hope for. This is my last meal with my son. For this sermon, the way it's working in my spirit, this woman represents the world who realizes that they are in desperate need of a miracle. If something doesn't happen, they're not going to make it much longer. Amen. Everybody okay? They know, she knows, that she can't keep surviving how it is. If something doesn't happen soon, I'm not going to make it. My family's not going to make it. My son is not going to make it. That's his story, and that's her story. But God's story is much different from his and hers. Elijah depended on a brook and ravens. The widow depended on her own resources. But God didn't need a brook a raven, a pot of meal, or a jar of oil to do what God was going to do. God wasn't relying on her resources or the raven's. God was going to do a miracle on his own. Amen. Elijah didn't know he needed the widow. The widow didn't know she needed Elijah. Neither one of them even knew each other. They had no idea. Elijah did not know that 90 miles away, there's a widow woman that he's going to need for him to survive. And in Zarephath, she didn't know that 90 miles away, there's a man of God that I'm going to need for my survival. But God knew that they needed each other. So God worked the circumstances to get them both in the same place at the same time. Amen. The church... The Elijah, if you will, often acts as if we don't need the world. The church knows there's starving people out there. We know there's hungry people out there. We know there's suffering people out there. But as long as I have my brook and my bread, I'm all right. Them staying 90 miles away from me and my family. Well, praise God. We use the rhetoric that we care. We talk about loving them but we don't leave our brook and our bread to go find them and minister to them. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens right there, but trust me, it'll get a little easier here in a minute. We don't know. What we don't know is that without the world, this church doesn't survive. Without the world, there's no reason for us to be here. She is more than a mission of grace. She is my means of survival. This world is more than just somebody that we should pity. We're not going to make it in this generation if we don't reach our world. There's people out there that we've got to get in here. Amen. We're not going to overcome the devil, and we're not going to overcome a wicked culture if we sit by our brook and eat our bread, shout on Sunday, and enjoy our blessing, and pretend like the world 90 miles away doesn't even exist. If we're going to see what God wants to do, we're going to have to understand there's a world out there that God wants to send us to. Can I preach to you for a minute? Look, I understand. I understand it's time change Sunday. You got one hour less sleep than you're used to. Amen. I understand. I understand that you would just now be pulling up in the driveway and wandering your way in. It's just about an hour. So you're an hour off schedule. But I'm going to ask you if you can, just, just fast forward your amen clock for a minute. Can you do that? Amen. Can you set your amen clock forward to match how early you had to get your body up? Can you say Let's practice. Amen. Come on, let's practice. Let's practice one more time. All right, now, like any good teacher does, we're going to take it up a level. Praise the Lord. Hey, look at that. We're awake now. Praise God. Amen. Our, Our spirit has to catch up to our body a little bit. I understand that. But I will tell you that this world is more than just something we need to avoid. This world is our mission field. Amen, it's our means to survival. Amen, if we don't reach people in this world, then we're not not reaching the promise and the destiny that God has called us to do. We can't stay by the brook. We can't stay being fed by ravens uh, and pretend like the world can just stay 90 miles away. It's our job to go 90 miles if that's what it takes to reach one of them. Can I preach to you a little bit this morning? Can I preach my heart to you a little bit and tell you that people with problems are our only hope of survival. Addicts are not an inconvenience. Families in crisis are not just problems. People who have run amok of the law are more than useless criminals. They are the church's only hope of survival. We need people that have problems. We need people who are hungry and desperate and need God. They are the hope of this church. Elijah doesn't survive the famine without this widow. Elijah starves to death without this woman. And the sooner the church understands that the world is not something to just be avoided. But we've got to reach this world. We'll never survive. That's why Christianity in America is dying. Because we want to stay in the walls and eat our bread and enjoy our brook. And we want to pretend like the world is 90 miles away. But I'm telling you, the drug addict is our mission Field. The broken home is our mission field. The juvenile delinquent is our mission field. The prisons are our mission field. The rehab centers are our mission field. Without them, we don't survive. And this widow needs Elijah. Without him, she has no hope. She and her family going to starve to death without him. I'm telling everyone in this place, and I make no apologies whatsoever about it. You need the church. You need the church. Your marriage needs the church. Your children need the church. Your family needs the church. You need the house of God and the man of God. If the shadow of Elijah doesn't fall across this widow, her and her son are going to starve to death. If that man of God doesn't speak into her life, she's going to eat her last meal, and her and her son are going to die in the famine. Uh, This woman needs the man of God. She needs the church to show up where she is. Let me tell every marriage, every parent, every young person, every mom, every dad you need the church in your life it's got to be more than an afterthought it's got to be more than a ritual it's got to be more than a Sunday habit we need an Elijah or we're not going to make it the world is a famine I said the world is a famine the world has starving families. The world is destroying homes. I'm telling you today, sir, I'm telling you right now, ma'am, that we need God and we need his church. <laughs> Let me preach to some folks here. Let me preach to some folks here that maybe you're not used to having church like we do. You're not used to all the noise and all the carrying on. Amen. I, I sometimes I have to remind myself, That when I think it's a dead service for almost everybody else in the world, it's the wildest thing they've ever seen. And i got to remind myself that when I think it's dead, to them it's the most live experience they've ever had. So let me just tell you, even though you may not be accustomed to what you're seeing and hearing right now, maybe you're not used to a preacher preaching with passion and fervor, and just that you're used to them just reading a few notes. I'm telling you that you understand you wouldn't be here if you didn't know that if God doesn't move, you're not gonna make it. My marriage needs something that I hadn't found somewhere else. My children need something, my family needs something. What you need is the church of the living God. You need a move of the spirit. You need the touch of Jesus Christ in your home. The church needs you and you need the church. Do you you see the dynamic? Can you see the dynamic at play in this situation? You have a man that needs the widow and the widow that needs the man of God. You have the church that needs the person in the world and the person in the world that needs the church. Let me tell you something. that We're not just a a bunch of holy rolling Pentecostals that show up and pretend like nobody out there is important. Everybody out there is important. They may have track marks up and down their arm, but we need them. We'll not ever be the church we're supposed to be without them. They may, be, they may be out of their mind, hung over from last night's bottle of Jim Beam or Jack Daniels, and we may want to just pretend like they're the, but I'm telling you, we need them. We won't survive without them. We won't make it without them. I know they got issues. I know they got problems, but God has called us. Oh, I wish somebody lift their hands to heaven and begin to pray, God, help us to remember the world. We need it. Elijah needed a family that he didn't know for him to survive. A family needed a preacher that they didn't know for them to survive. You have this dynamic at play where they're codependent and they don't even know it. They need each other and they don't even know it. But in but in heaven, there's a God that realizes he's not going to make it without her. And she's not going to make it without him so God begins to work the dynamic together to get him to leave where he is, to go to where she is. Amen. Oh God, I'm trying to pace myself because I know where I'm heading and I want to make sure I hit every, every, every stop on the way. I'm telling you today, sir, I'm telling you today, young person, ma'am, that we desperately Need God. This lady knew that she wasn't going to make it. She had already made the plans for her end of life. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. It's over. You may be sitting here this morning and think that you have so many problems, so many habits, so much failure that nobody needs you. I'm telling you by the word of God that this church needs you. Doesn't matter how messed up your past may be. Doesn't matter how many issues you may be dealing with. Doesn't matter how worthless you feel. We not only need you, we want you here. We don't only need you, this is your home. You belong here. This church is not a museum. This church is not a museum to display God's treasures. It's not a showcase of perfection. It is a hospital for hurting people. It's an emergency room for those in traumatic circumstances. We must remember that we are not here to show off how great we are. We are here to show people how great God is and what God can do. I'm not on display, he's on display. We're not what's being showcased, he's what's being showcased. He's a life changer. He's a soul saver. He's a depression lifter. He's an anxiety remover. He's an addiction reliever. He is God who can do all. I wish somebody would praise him. I wish I had a former alcoholic that would just say what he's preaching is true. I wish I had a former drug addict that would just say what that preacher is preaching. I found it to be true. Jesus is my answer. If if you are broken, you belong here. If you are hurting, you belong here. If you're weak, tired, hungry, thirsty, dirty, sinful, hopeless, you belong here. Not only do we want you here, but you need to be here. And we need you to be here. We can't make it without you. They were far apart. I looked up, I, I Googled how far apart they were. And I'm amazed at how many people can't use maps. <laughs> I Googled it. There was answers all over the board. And so what I did is I got a map. And I got a piece of paper. And I, I did the marks for miles, you know. And then I put one line on Samaria where Cherith was and one line on Zarephath where the widow was. And it is exactly 90 miles apart. They were far apart. Now you say 90 miles, that's not too far. Drive to Jackson, Tennessee this afternoon. But 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 let's not do that. Let's do it like let's do it like Elijah did. Let's walk. But let's not walk, let's not walk on a good road. Let's walk in the fields and the woods and through creeks and rivers like Elijah had to. And you realize that it was probably a week's journey on foot for a man who hadn't had a good drink of water in a while and had been fed by ravens for a while. A hungry and thirsty preacher walks 90 miles in ancient days to go find a widow that doesn't even know who he is. I tell you what we're going to do, God. We're going to show up and we're going to sing our songs and we're going to have our sermons and we're going to play our music. We're going to shake hands and we're going to we're going to fellowship and we're going to have all of our little events that we do and we're going to just enjoy being the church. And God, if you have anybody out there that you want to send to us, then the doors are open. Send them on in, God. We'll be right here waiting on them. No, no, no. God said Elijah, it's not the widow's job to find the church. It's the church's job to go find the widow. You can't stay where you are and reach her. You got to leave where you are and go where she is. May I tell you that God is calling us to leave where we are and reach for people. It might push us out of our comfort zone. It might get us out of our routine, but we must go find the people that need God. Every member is a minister, say it with me. Every member is a minister. Say it again, every member is a minister. Say that means me. Every member, come on, is a minister and that means me. Every member is a minister and that means me. Let's switch it up. Every member is a missionary and that's me. Come on, every member is a missionary, and that's me. I can no longer just alleviate myself by throwing a few dollars at a foreign missions program and let my coworker go to hell and me never tell them that Jesus is the answer for their situation. Every member is a minister, and every member is a missionary. Elijah's over here. And she's over there. They're far apart, but God had made a plan for them to meet. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a lot of different points right now. You can, I think you can sense what I'm trying to do, can't you? I'm trying to do a tune-up on the engine of the car, and at the same time be a taxi to pick somebody up. It's hard to tune it up and drive at the same time. What I'm trying to do is tune up the church to get us back in the mission field and keep us on point while at the same time telling people that are here that I know you got issues and I know you're hurting and I know you got trouble, but you came to the right place. We want you here and we need you here. And you need to be here. You may feel like you're far from the church and far from God, but God has ordained for you to be here today because God wants you to know you made it home. You found your place. You found where he wants you to be. Before either one of them had ever heard of the other, God was working on Elijah's side. I think I've had Elijah over here all day. On Elijah's side, he dries up the brook. I don't know what he had to do to make it happen. I don't know if he had to let a tree fall and cut off the flow of water. I don't know if he had to dry up an underground spring to get the water to quit flowing. I don't know what he had to do, but I know the brook dried up. And I don't know what he had to do to get the ravens to quit. Maybe he sent some some hawks overhead to scare the ravens away. I don't know what he had to do to keep the ravens away. But I know that God worked on his story to get him thirsty and hungry enough to leave where he had been to go to where she was. And on the other side, he had planned that there would be one extra handful of meal in the bottom of her barrel. So that when that man of God got there, there'd be a little something to work with. And so maybe he planned just a few extra kernels of corn to be gleaned out of a field just for one moment so there could be just enough left for when Elijah, and so he works on these two strangers Elijah over here, the woman over here. I started to title this message, When Strangers Meet. But Mark Hamby preached a message at United Pentecostal Church General Conference in 1976 titled, When Strangers Meet. And I was afraid some of you might have heard it and thought I stole it. God arranges it on his story and her story because God's going to write a brand new story. Amen. He made the church hungry enough to go to the widow And made the widow desperate enough to obey the word of God. And when these two strangers came together, it was what both of them needed. When Elijah and the widow got together, God released a supernatural, powerful blessing and miracle in both of their lives. But the supernatural wasn't for their entertainment It wasn't to show how awesome they were. It was for God's purpose. Elijah walked 90 miles to the Phoenician land out of his comfort zone, time and effort. But when he got there, he went to the widow and he said, give me to drink. And so she, the Bible says while she was going, she said, okay, I'll get you a drink of water. Now understand, 90 mile walk, he's hot, he's tired. He's hungry. I started to say hungry and tired together. I started to say he's hired. And I caught myself before I said it, and then my mind just made me go ahead and tell you. He's hungry and tired, and he says, give me to drink. He's had to do his part to get there. But when he gets there, she has to do her part to obey fetch me a drink of water. And as she was going, he said, and also bring me a morsel of bread by thine hand. Now we got a problem because this is my greatest need. Isn't it amazing how when you come to an encounter with God, that God doesn't ignore your greatest need. He didn't necessarily make it easy on her to change if I was going to take extra time to preach this morning that you don't want me to take, I would preach how this generation wants everything easy. I'll do anything if it's easy. But he didn't give her her the easy. He found the sorest spot in her life. I've got one handful left. I'm going to eat it. And then I'm going to, then we're going to die. He went straight to the heart of the matter. And he said, this is what we're dealing with. Give me a morsel of bread by that hand. And she said, verse 12, as the Lord thy God liveth. Now look, she didn't say as the Lord our God lives. Not as the Lord my God lives. She hadn't taken ownership of God yet. As the Lord thy, thy God liveth. I have not a cake. You're asking me for a cake. I don't have a cake. I can't give you, that, that cake is, a, is, a, is a, a, probably a flatbread in a Middle Eastern style. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Ma'am, I hate to tell you this, but you just lied to the man of God. You said you don't have a cake, but you do. Your issue is it's not prepared yet. You got meal. You got oil. You got two sticks to make a fire. You got bread. You just hadn't done the work yet to make it bread. But you got everything you need to obey God right now. Let me tell you, you may be sitting here thinking, I've got nothing God can work with. I don't have what God's looking for. I'm not what God's asking for. He's talking about somebody else, not me. I got too many issues. I got too many problems. Let me just tell you, by virtue that you're here or watching and listening online right now, you've got everything you need for God to use you. It may be a piece here and a little there and a little bit here, and it may not be all put together yet, but I'm telling you, you got everything you need for God to turn your life around. Amen. You had enough faith to walk through those doors. You got enough faith to have your life turned around. You got enough faith to still be in the house of God that hadn't gone home yet. You got enough faith for God to turn your family around. You got everything you need for God to work with, but you got to put it in His hand. coming to a close as the Lord thy God liveth I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a a barrel a little oil and a cruise and behold I am gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die and Elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me thereof a little cake first And bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. God says, put me first, and I'll take care of the rest. Don't put self before God and expect God to work. As a matter of fact, isn't that how we got in the mess we're in now anyway? We've been doing what we wanted to do all these years, and it's damaged my relationships, it's damaged my health, it's damaged my family, it's about to kill my son. I've done it my way all this time, and look where it's got me. It's got me nothing but on the brink of starvation. So here's what you're going to do. I'm not going to put self first. I'm going to make a switch, and I'm going to put God first. Amen. I'm not coming to church if the fish aren't biting. I'm not coming to church in case if it's it, 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 just because it's raining out and I can't go to the lake. I'm not going to church because I ain't got something else on my schedule, on my, my fun schedule, my hobby schedule, my recreation schedule, my sports. I'm coming to church because I'm putting God first in my life. I'm reprioritizing because the way I've always done it has got me in the mess I'm in. The way me putting me first has made me an addict. Me putting me first has almost destroyed my marriage. Me putting me first has almost ruined my life. So now I'm not putting me first, I'm putting God first. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Your miracle is close, but it's a matter of rearranging the priorities in your life. If you want a miracle, a miracle is just a step away. If you want a breakthrough, a breakthrough is just a step away. If you want a change, a change is just a step away. But it takes a matter of of reprioritizing life. Make me thereof a little cake first. God says, put me first and bring it. And then make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord, verse 14. Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. Oh, God, I just got a little thought. You better pray that my brain quits thinking or we're not getting out of here. He, he was in Zarephath, which was in Phoenicia. It's in, right now it's in the country of what is now Lebanon. He's in Phoenicia saying, the Lord God of Israel. Let me just tell you that God can move for people wherever they are. Amen. Wherever they are, God is God there too. I may be in Phoenicia, but the God of Israel can move here just like he can. Let me tell you, you may be in a mess, but God can move in your life just like he can right here at this altar. God can move wherever you are. Wherever you're dealing, whatever you're dealing with, God can move for you. And the Bible said that the Lord God of Israel, let's say the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did, and she went and did. All of Elijah's instructions don't do any good if she doesn't do something about it. The the, the 90-mile walk, the word from the Lord, the prophecy from God, the promise of God, none of it works if this woman doesn't go and do. Let me tell you, I have preached to you the word of God. I have given you a promise. I don't know if you've heard it, but this whole message, I've been giving people a promise that God will turn your family around. God can deliver you. God can turn your situation around. I've preached a prophetic word into your life from the moment I started preaching this morning. I have preached the word, but the moment's going to come where if you're going to see what God wants to do, that it's going to be put in your hands and it's going to be a matter I've got to go and do. I've got to do something with what God has promised me. Widow woman, here's the promise of God God's gonna make your barrel of meal never waste. He's gonna make the oil always be in the cruise. Uh, until the Lord sends rain, uh, you're gonna be able to make it. As long as you do what God tells you to do, God's gonna see you through the famine. He's gonna th- see you through the trial. He's gonna see you through the mess. God's gonna work for you. And here's what you gotta do you gotta get up and you gotta do according uh, to the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name today. Amen. Let me me drill that down just a little bit more. If when you were baptized, they said in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, that is not the biblical method of baptism. The Bible way to be baptized is in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you were baptized the other way, you gotta go and do. But if you do, God's gonna release a supernatural power in your life to turn your world upside down. He'll wash your sin away. He'll wash your past away. He'll wash your sins off of your record by. Pa- Come on, you got to go and do. I wish somebody would help me say amen right now. Amen. If you'll throw your hands up to heaven and repent of your sins, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He can put your family together, He can put your soul together. But you've got to go and do in the barrel of meal. Listen. And she went and did, stand with me, according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he, she, he, and her house. Did eat many days. When you obey God and put him first, it releases supernatural power into your life. Verse 16, in the barrel of meal wasted not. Not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. As your eyes are closed all over this place, may I tell you today that God has a miracle for the hurting, the hungry, the thirsty, the struggling. You have your story, the devil has his story. But God is the third side of the story. As your eyes are closed all over this place, I feel led to talk a minute about repentance. Repentance is one of the most important things you'll ever learn to do. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for how I've lived my life. God, even for those things that I did not know were against your word. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to live like that. And God, there were things I did that I knew I shouldn't do. Common sense told me. The raising I had told me I shouldn't do that. But I did it anyway. God, I lived my life for self self-seeking, self-pleasure, self-gratification. Put myself first and that's why I'm in the mess that I'm in right now. God, if I keep control of my own life, I'm sure to fail. God, if I keep control of my own life, it's just going to get worse. I know that. So God, now I'm repenting. I'm asking you to forgive me, Lord. And God, I'm asking you to help me to make good choices. I'm asking you, God, to help me to turn my lifestyle into a way that's pleasing to you. I I don't know what all I'm supposed to do. This is all new to me. I I don't know what's right and wrong in every case. But God I'm going to ask you to help me to put you first. Because God if I don't get a miracle I'm not going to make it. I can't keep going. Path I'm going. I need you, God. Come on, eyes are closed all over this place. You can pray something very similar to that. It don't have to be exactly that. You pray in your words. You don't have to speak, you don't have to speak King James Version prayers. God, I need you. Come on, the altar's open, people are coming. just tell you this church is for you you make that walk down that aisle nobody's going to be trying to figure out what you did thinking how bad you are we need you and you need us and God has a plan he has a plan for your home and he has a plan for your family and he has a plan for your soul and he has a plan for your life God, I need you. Come on, can you pray? There's lots of room. What, let, let's clear the aisles in case people need to come closer. Well, there's people in your pew right now, and God's dealing with your heart. This could be your watershed moment for your life. This could be your make me a cake first moment that releases the supernatural flow of the Spirit of God in your family and in your home and in your life that turns everything around. God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Go ahead, sing it. God, I need you, Lord. He is the answer. He is the solution. He is the hope. somebody to pray with maybe up around the altar if you're staying in your pew maybe you can hold hands with your spouse and say God help us God I need that third part of the story your part I need you to take over my story God I need you to take over my story And rewrite the ending into something I can live with and be proud of.
1: Sermon spoke to. We're called to win the lost. It is the number one person purpose of the church. While we experience great church, if that's all we do on Sunday, that's not all there's to that's, all, that's not all there is to it. Each one of us has an area of influence. There's someone in your life that you and only you can reach maybe that person at the job maybe the woman at Taco Bell that I found out lives in Potts camp and on the way home I get to speak with her on Wednesday nights there's that one person that you and you alone can reach you have that influence pastor doesn't have that influence with that person but you do Church itself is not a place and the only arm of evangelism. The place of evangelism is in your workplace. It's in your home. It's finding someone that has come here today and inviting them to a meal. Would you like to go to dinner with me today? I want to talk to you. I want to meet your kids. It's about finding that elder that feels isolated An encouraging word you and you alone are the one that can reach it I wonder if you could raise your hands all over the, this congregation all over this auditorium let's pray a small prayer of rededication of our life back to kingdom purpose Jesus we thank you for the word we heard God, we thank you, Lord, for it stirred our heart, Lord God, and I ask you right now that this word will go to work in our lives and that we, we, we would use it this week, Lord, to invite someone back to the appointed time, Lord God, that they can experience the same experience that we feel. They can experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor. We thank you for the leadership of this church, God. Help us to win one soul. Just one soul, Lord. Oh, God, help us to win one soul this year. Just one soul, Lord. That's all we ask, Lord. In the name of Jesus, bless this church and bless every soul that is represented here. In the name of Jesus, we Greet someone, hug their neck, and tell them it's good to see you here at church. If you have your ties, go ahead and bring them forward.